So this time, unless you haven't noticed, we've been doing a series based on the Bible school. Uh, yeah. Matthew. I wasn't here for two weeks, I forgot. Um, and we've been talking about being a follower of Jesus, how being a follower of Jesus means being rooted in three things. Can you remember what those Word, three community, things? and spirit. Yes, well done. Oh, I remembered whoa. one thing. <laughs> yeah, so the word is the Bible. Uh, spirit is the Holy Spirit. And community is the church. Um, and today we're really going to focus on one of those three things. We're going to focus on being rooted in the Holy Spirit. Um, so we're going to read some of Acts 19. Oh, but we need the, <laughs> the thing. <laughs> Thanks, Ashley. I'm just going to watch video quickly. Video. 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 Uh, except it's, it's too, not sinking. Yeah, escape that. Oh, blah, blah, blah. blah, blah, blah. I don't say blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Wait. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, If you've ever heard the phrase, the Holy Spirit, and you want to know what it means, where do you start? Well, you have to start on page one of the Bible, where the uncreated world is depicted. Uncreated man, you red boy. It's a dark, chaotic place, but then above the chaos, God's spirit is there, hovering, ready to bring about life and order and beauty. Okay, but... What is God's spirit? Yeah, so the spirit is the way the biblical authors talk about God's personal presence. The Hebrew word is ruach. Ruach. Yeah, you gotta clear your throat at the end. So what is it? Well, ruach can refer to a number of different things, but what they all have in common is energy. Energy? How so? So there's an invisible energy that makes the clouds move or the tree branches sway. Right. Wind. So in Hebrew, that's ruach. Okay. Now take a big breath. So you feel that inside you? Yeah, the air? Well, specifically the energy, right? The vitality in your body that you get from breathing deeply, that too is ruach. And this is the same word used in the Bible to describe God's personal presence. Just like wind and breath are invisible, God's spirit is invisible. Wind is powerful, and so God's spirit is powerful. And just as breath keeps us alive, so God's <coughs> spirit sustains all of life. Yeah, ruach. Now, as we continue on in the story of the Bible, we see God's Ruach giving special empowerment to people for specific tasks. The first person in the Bible this happens to is Joseph. God's Spirit enables him to understand and interpret dreams. And then it happens to this guy named Bezalel, and he's an artist. God's Spirit empowers him with wisdom that and was skills. Fascinating. He's given creative genius to make beautiful things in the tabernacle. And we also see God's Ruach empower a group of people called the prophets. They're able to see what's happening in history from God's point of view. That's exactly right. And here's the problem as the prophets saw it. While God's Ruach had created a really good world, humans have given in to evil, they've unleashed chaos. 
chaos into it through their injustice. A new type of disorder. Yes, and the prophet said the spirit would come, just like in Genesis 1, but now to transform the human heart, to empower people to truly love God and others. How will this new act of God's spirit happen? Well, centuries pass, and we are introduced to Jesus. And at the beginning of his mission, there's a beautiful scene where Jesus is being baptized in the waters of the Jordan River. Yeah, the sky opens up and God's spirit comes and rests on him like a bird. The story saying that God's spirit is empowering Jesus to begin the new creation. And we see this happening when he heals people or forgives their sins. He's creating life where there once was death. Now, Israel's religious leaders oppose Jesus and they eventually have him killed. But even here, God's spirit is at work. The earliest disciples of Jesus, who saw him alive from the dead, said it was God's energizing spirit that raised Jesus. This is the beginning of new creation. Yes, and it's still going. When Jesus appeared to his closest followers, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And soon after that, the spirit powerfully comes on all of his disciples. So that they can become a part of this new creation and share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of God's Spirit. And so, today, the Spirit is still hovering in dark places. Yes, pointing people to Jesus, transforming and empowering them so they can love God and others. And the Christian hope is that the Spirit is going to finish the job. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a new humanity, living in a new world that's permeated with God's love She literally just said that is just going, hey, there's more there's more resources available. That's fun. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So now we're gonna read Acts 19. Um, and whilst we do that, just while we're reading it, think about how the Holy Spirit was described in that video. So it was described as God's presence. It was described as someone that brings new life. And it was described about, uh, yeah, some, something that takes darkness and turns it into what? new life. And um, think about how this applies to what we're going to read, which is Acts 19. So if you find that. And handily, there's like three chunks. So we can each, you guys can each take a chunk. <coughs> Can you read yeah. verses 1 to 7 in a minute? And then, Artie, can you read 11 to uh, 16? Sure. And then, Calvin, after that, can you read 17 to 20? Wait, what am I again? You are verses 1 to 7. Okay. Go for it. Paul took the road through the interior 
and arrive at a species birds and plants then we say to and ask them do you receive the holy spirit when you believe they answered no we have not even heard that there is a holy spirit so paul asked then what did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come <coughs> out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honour. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practised sorcery brought their scrolls together and burnt them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Brilliant. Thank you very much, guys. Um, so the reason we're working through the books of Acts and we're talking about being rooted in the word, the spirit and community is because actually the majority of Acts is about those three, three things and how that works practically. <coughs> so if we cast our minds back right to the beginning of the book of Acts, it starts with Jesus actually ascending into heaven. Um, but before he does that, he tells them, as it said in the video, to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Um, so it starts with the disciples waiting for and then receiving the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And in that Bible Project video, it described this as, it described the Holy Spirit as God's personal presence, his energy or his power. 
and they talked about the Holy Spirit as being life-giving and transforming the human heart. And they talked about the Holy Spirit as someone who helps us love God and love others and as creating life where there once was death. Now, as in most of the bits that we've read in Acts, um, the passage I read you was pretty action-packed. Quite a lot happened in it. And the bit we actually skipped out was the bit where, where it kind of um, gives a bit more of a hint as to the fact that actually all of these like boom, 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 boom things that we read about are actually taking place over a wider span of time right. and that they're just not all happening in one day because it's talking about him preaching for three months. But it doesn't really fit in with the rest of the stuff, so we skipped over it, but you can read it later. Um, so can you remember who the action is centred around to start with? I mean, Jesus, obviously, but like, <laughs> and the Holy Spirit, eh? This is not a trick question. <laughs> who, who, who are we talking about in terms of this stuff happening to? Jesus. <laughs> Normally the correct answer. <laughs> but who, who, who is the person that, who, whose handkerchiefs are healing people and who yeah. is... Peter. Paul. Paul. Paul, yes. Well done. <coughs> eventually. Okay, we got there eventually. We're talking about Paul. Well done. Um, and there were kind of like three broad sections there. So what was the very first thing that happened to Paul in this passage? The bit that Carl Urshaw pulled him out. Um... He turns up in Ephesus, Jesus. which is in modern day Turkey, um, and he finds some disciples. I don't know how he found them, it doesn't tell us, but he finds some just hanging around. Disciple detector. Yeah, and he asks them if, because obviously this sort of comes out in conversation that they're not quite the same disciples as his understanding of disciples, so he asks them if they received the Holy Spirit when they, when they believed. Um, and they're like, the what? They haven't heard of the Holy Spirit. So he probes a bit further and asks them, so what kind of baptism did you receive? And it turns out that they've actually been baptised not like as Christians, how we'd understand it, but actually yeah. by John the Baptist. So, and Paul explains for their benefit and for our benefit, reading it later, that the way what John was baptising people for was like, he was saying, repent, turn away from your sins because someone is coming who is the Messiah. And so these people were being baptised as an open, open, as a sign right. that, <laughs> that they had made the decision to turn away from their sins. So that's why he says it's a baptism of repentance. But then Paul explains that what the person that John was pointing to was the person that can actually wash away your sins and give you new life. And that's Jesus. Um, and the most striking thing, actually, after, the, after he has this conversation with them, is like the immediacy of what happens. So on hearing the amazing news, these guys immediately get re-baptised in the name of Jesus. <coughs> and then Paul lays his hands on them, and they immediately receive the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we call this being baptised in the Holy Spirit, so it's like double baptism baptism in water and then baptism in the Holy Spirit and they start prophesying and speaking in tongues <clears throat> and this isn't like a one-off 
it like happening the way it happens in the Bible. There's like other examples in Acts and in other the letters it talks about b- believing, being baptized in water and being baptized in the Holy Spirit as being like the normal way in which you that's the normal process of becoming a believer and people getting baptized in water and then filled with the Holy Spirit though not necessarily in that order like as soon as they can after professing that they believe in Jesus as their saviour so like the video described the Holy Spirit creates life where once there was chaos and death and this is like a gift of grace that you receive the Holy Spirit should transform you with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Because do you know what the, um, like, water baptism, I mean, it, people talk about it sort of symbolising quite a few different things, but do you know, do you have any ideas why, why, why did we do this thing? What's it a picture of? It's like, sort of like declaring that, like, God is, God's about our saviour. Yeah, so that's that's what you're saying by by doing it. That's why yeah. you're like, yes, I will do this thing. But do you know why? Why do we like dunk people under the water and then bring them back out? Do you know what that is supposed to symbolise? Jesus growing into the grave. Yes, yeah, sure. What do you think? Yeah, that's right. So that's one of the things that we talk about because it's water, isn't it? So it's about being washed clean. And what did you just say? Uh, Jesus going down in the grave and coming back. That's up right. Again. So it's also about resurrection. So it's about mm. Jesus dying and then coming back to life. But also it's about you participating in Jesus' death and resurrection. So it's you saying, I'm dead to my sins and I'm alive again in Christ. And actually, when it was talking about the Holy Spirit being the power that take sort of brings new life where there is death actually the water is like a symbol of that but then receiving the holy spirit is actually the power that takes you from death and you being dead in your sins to being alive in christ it's like the power so point one from my talk today it is essential to receive the holy spirit because it is god's power changing you from dead in your sin to being alive in christ so pretty important um, <clears throat> and so the rest of the bit that we read that Artie read and that Calvin read after that is like exa- more examples of the powerful presence of God at work bringing life where there was death <coughs> so in the bit that you read Artie there was some pretty crazy miracles um, God does these through Paul, and we hear about how people are being healed by Paul's handkerchief, his apron, and his shadow, which... Shadow? His shadow, yeah. Like, how can they touch a shadow, though? Why is Paul even wearing an apron? (laughs) I think he means, like, his overalls. I'm guessing it's more like that. How can they touch a shadow? What, do they just touch a shadow and be like, (coughs) I'm healed? Yes, his apron. Yeah, I'm just, like, imagining... He must have been like cooking and like (laughs) (laughs) get healed. (laughs) Oh, okay. So aprons and not even his apron. An apron. What? I go and buy an apron. apron. I'm healed. So it's it's pretty amazing. But it also is amazing to note that these are noted in the Bible as extraordinary miracles, which means there are ordinary miracles, (laughs) which is insane. So miracles are just extraordinary in their own work. And then there's Paul's miracles. 
Okay, so there's Jesus miracles, and then there's like disciple miracles. So let us pray for some extraordinary miracles, because I think we hear testimony in our church about like, what I would say are ordinary miracles, things like people, like, okay, so like when Josie's ankle got healed yeah. at a new day, or when, you know, when other people have got healed at various occasions, like, they've been healed of, like, fairly minor things. They might have thought it was, like... They're like, it's amazing that God has done these things, yeah. but these are, like, ordinary miracles. Where we're it's not like someone's, like, lost an arm, and then it's, like, grown back again. Yeah, the yeah, that would, uh, that would be, I would say, that would be extraordinary like miracles. But, like, the um, person who kept fainting every, like, five minutes or something. Yes, that was that an extraordinary was miracle. Point. Yeah, extraordinary. exactly. So we have heard some testimonies about some extraordinary miracles as well. Um, and I have actually heard, though not like first-hand stories of people who've also prayed over handkerchiefs and they have gone to people and right. people have been... Wait, healed. that's actually a thing? I didn't know Neil looks like a woman. <laughs> yeah, so that's just, that's more of a side note, but this is, these, just the, the Holy Spirit bringing life through healing is just another example of like power and God's power, his presence, his life. When we pray in the Lord's Prayer about your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, this is the sort of things that we're talking about in terms of God's kingdom coming. <clears throat> so then we get on to um, following the extraordinary miracles. There's the bit that Calvin read, which is odd. Oh, he read the bit about the... Oh, no, it was you, actually, Art. He read it reading about the, sons of, the seven sons of Sceva, which... Sounds like a Jewish boy band. <laughs> <laughs> so, Where there's, there's these the Jewish the Christian songs came And these guys, these, these guys, they're Jewish, okay? They, they, they would have heard all about Jesus. They would have heard about Jesus claimed to be Israel's Messiah. They'd have heard about his death and his resurrection. But they're clearly not believers. They don't believe that Jesus was God's son and they don't believe that he's their saviour. Nevertheless, they've clearly seen how much success that Paul has been having invoking Jesus' name. So they just kind of see that and they're like, okay, we'll just copy that, we'll have a go ourselves. And actually the amazing thing is that initially this seems to be working. So there is power in the name of Jesus and demons have to flee at his name. Um, enter the seven sons of Sceva, or Shiva maybe, I don't know. <laughs> You have to clear your throat on that, which I do. Um, who've also been having success using this method until they meet with a demon who answers back, essentially with a who are you, who are you, type thing. Because these seven sons of Sceva, they're using Jesus' name, but they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. And actually, they don't have the authority to command demons, and so they get beaten up. Um, so does anyone know what the Great Commission is? <coughs> I've heard of it, I don't know what it is. Yeah, so, I mean, it's like, the Great Commission is just like what the heading is in the Bible for it, but it's actually, it's what Jesus says, uh, what Matthew records Jesus as saying <coughs> before he goes back up to heaven. Mm -hmm. um, and it goes like this. 
All authority, this is Jesus talking by the way, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. And actually receiving the Holy Spirit is part of you receiving that authority from Jesus to do things in his name. So that's why when we're praying for healing, we say, like, ankle will be healed in Jesus' name because Jesus has all this authority and he's given us this commission, that's why it's called the Great Commission, um, to, to, to do things in his name. <clears throat> and so it's essential, really, to receive the Holy Spirit so that we're able to fight against death with this life-giving spirit. But also, not having the Holy Spirit actually makes us vulnerable to attack ourselves. Um, so that's kind of the other side to this, this bit about the seven sons of Sceva, is actually we are going to face temptation and attack, like spiritual attack in this world. And actually, especially when we're doing things in Jesus' name and not having that, the Holy Spirit in you, not only means you don't have that sword of the spirit, the weapon, it means that you aren't you know, you're, you're weak, you don't have anything that's protecting you, you, you know, from giving in to temptation and from being beaten up and sent away naked and bleeding, as what happens to the, the seven sons of Sceva. So the, the spiritual war is actually quite serious, and these seven sons of Sceva clearly don't think that demons are that powerful, or they would have been a bit more careful, um, and they don't believe that Jesus was powerful either, or they wouldn't have been using his name as kind of like a magic spell, abracadabra thing. <clears throat> so receiving the Holy Spirit actually makes us like temples of God's presence, which is pretty cool. So <coughs> one of the guys that it talked about in the video earlier, uh, the bit where it kind of went a bit weird, was the, um, the guy that was inspired by the Holy Spirit to design an amazing tabernacle um, for God's presence to dwell in when the Israelites were like walking around in the desert and for the time that they were in the promised land before up, up to the, when they built the temple. Um, yes, and uh, yeah, so this is another thing that is so amazing about fact that we are being filled with the Holy Spirit is actually we are we have become that dwelling place of God's presence so he was inspired to make this amazing tabernacle and now we're it which yeah <laughs> probably less amazing looking from the outside but so when Jesus says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you it's very important to understand that he's not saying you will become really powerful and look awesome by doing cool miracles. That's not what that means. Um, 
And the Seven Sons of Skeva, actually, I think they just wanted to look really super um, by doing cool miracles. And actually, they probably wanted to earn lots of money from their exorcism powers. And actually, it's quite tempting for us sometimes to think of the Holy Spirit in this, in this way as well. We can ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit and be like, please God. And we're not, not really, you know, we're in it really to make ourselves look cool by doing these things and actually not to see God's kingdom come. And that's, that's just a really, another really important thing to remember when we're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, receiving this gift of the Holy Spirit, is that it's not, it is for our benefit because... It, we are clearly immeasurably changed and saved with it, but it's not, like, one of the purposes of it is, like, in the healing, where it's to actually spill out onto other people. So that's the other thing. It's essential to re receive the Holy Spirit so that we can pour out God's life-giving power onto those around. <clears throat> um... And finally, it's essential to receive the Holy Spirit to help us become holy. And that was the last bit that Calvin read, actually, was this bit where they start burning scrolls, which, to be honest, this bit's a little bit intelligible, un un unintelligible to us nowadays in terms of, like, sorcery scrolls. Um, but in this last bit of the passage, you have these people confessing their sins and burning these really valuable things. Um, and the reason they're doing it is because the Holy Spirit has just made it really clear that it's given them a glimpse of the holiness of God. And part of that is giving them a glimpse on what's important on life and what's not important of life. So the Holy Spirit has just kind of arrested them and given them God's perspective on what's actually valuable. So they're thinking, actually, there's all this stuff that I'm going to give up. And it's it's costly in terms of the monetary value. I mean, it actually tells us how much all these scrolls were worth. But these people understanding through the power of the Holy Spirit that they can completely rely on God for everything because they've suddenly seen and experienced this life-giving power from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so there's basically four, four main things in what I was talking about today. So the first thing was that it's essential to receive the Holy Spirit because it's God's power changing you from being dead in your sin to being alive in Christ. Like, if you, if you do become a believer and you don't, if you if you don't sort of receive and rely on the Holy Spirit, actually can like shoots can grow, but because they're not rooted in the Holy Spirit, actually they're going to wither very quickly. Um, and the second thing is that it's essential to receive the Holy Spirit to pour out God's life giving power onto those around us, because we're called to be witnesses. That was one of the things that it says in the Great Commission. It says you know, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them. So, it, you know, it starts with you being baptised in water and baptised in the Holy Spirit, and then it's like, goes outwards from you. 
The third thing is that it's essential to receive the Holy Spirit, the Lord of the Spirit, so that we're able to fight against death with the life-giving spirit that we get, and so that we're not vulnerable to attack ourselves. So, like, don't leave yourself exposed. Put out the full armor of God, etc. Um, <laughs> and the final thing is that it's essential to receive the Holy Spirit to help us become holy. When God says, be holy because I am holy, his presence is the thing that helps us to kind of grasp what that actually is and how that's a good and amazing and awesome thing.